What's up, everybody? Welcome to Breakdown Breakdown. I'm here with my co-host Hunter, and right now we're recording a little bit of an emergency pod. Um, so for those who don't know, uh, SGA had a pretty nasty ankle sprain in the Pacers game, which we'll talk about here in a bit. But SGA had a pretty nasty ankle sprain in the Pacers, in the Pacers game at the beginning of the second half. Uh, he was fouled on a drive. He shot his two free throws, missed both of them, I believe. And then uh, fouled immediately to exit the game. And it was pretty clear and obvious that, you know, it was going to be uh, the type of ankle sprain where he's probably going to miss some time. And he hobbled his way to the tunnel and we didn't see him again. And uh, Suarez reports Adam Franco actually said that SJ was in a walking boot and crutches after the game. So that wasn't a good sign. And then we heard Saturday morning that. Uh, SGA is going to be reevaluated after the All Star break uh, with his right ankle sprain. So that means SGA is going to miss at least 10 games in the minimum uh, since the All Star break is about three weeks from now, more or less. But yeah, I mean, Hunter, just you know, give me your initial reaction to the news and like what does it mean for Thunder and SGA? Oh my God, Clemente. I can't go through the second half of last season again. Not this. Please, God, not this. No, nah, I'm just kidding. That was, but in all seriousness, yeah, like you said, I mean, whatever he first injured his ankle really looked pretty bad. I mean, he was grimacing pretty bad. He was limping pretty bad. And like you said, he didn't even make any of his uh, free throws when he went to the line. So obviously, he was dealing with lots of pain. And afterwards, as reported, like you stated, had a walking boot and crutches. So, I mean, from that, I mean, I, I felt like immediately I was like, man, that might be a high ankle sprain. That takes you out for at least like a month or six weeks at the minimum. I mean, it's just, uh, you know, not not good. But at the same time, this is a perfect, you know, season for that to happen. So SJ can just uh, sit out for as long as he needs to properly heal that ankle. Just like last season when he dealt with plantar fasciitis, just take as much time as you need to rest up because there's no need to rush back in or, win anything at the last second, getting the plan because there's the season tanking only. So make sure, I mean, especially SGA, your star player going forward, sign them to a max extension contract, just rest them for as long as he possibly can ice that ankle and just, you know, play whenever you start feeling better. Yeah. And I saw like the Thunder were like, you know, winning a bunch of games uh, when SGA was playing. I think, I think they were like two and 14 in their last 16 games, which is like, man, that's like, that's yeah. a really bad pace. <laughs> Man, that's like uh, Bobcats. That's right there. Yeah, so two and fourteen or last sixteen with SGA playing. I, I believe all of those games, if not most. So it's not like you know SGA was you know making them win games and all that. Uh, like that was the case last season with Horford and them. But yeah, I mean things are about to get rocky, man. Like <laughs> what about SGA, your number one scoring option, uh, and like really your best scorer on a team. And if his ability to like you know so create offense, it's gonna be gonna be some really really ugly offense offensive nights uh, coming up for the next three weeks. What would you say? Oh, big time! I mean, I even think Joe Musato shared. I think it was Joe Musato who shared a tweet saying like, I can't remember the exact percentage, but the Thunder only win like ten percent of their games without SGA. So, I mean, uh, looking at the schedule, I mean, it just not looking good basically <laughs> with especially that SGA. It's it's not primed at all for Thunder success. So, yeah, I mean, we're going to be seeing a lot of tough games. I mean, it might be a little bit better because, you know, last season, uh, whenever SGA was out, it was mostly 
Dort carrying the load, and that was pretty much it after that. I mean, even you had even Al Horford sitting out for most of the game. So really not anybody to salvage any minutes out there and make it look even watchable at some points. But, I mean, obviously when the winning side's not going to be great at all, but you got guys like Josh Giddy and Trey Mann, and Jeremiah Robinson Earl, Aaron Wiggins, Lou Dort still out there. And those are guys you really want to see succeed. So we still got that cheer on for hopefully they can develop well out there. You'll even see some guys who never really got any minutes with, you know, all the, all the minutes being shoved over to the starting lineup. Mostly SGA is, I mean, he's been playing hella minutes in those Mark Dagnall rotations. He's been playing at least like 40 a game. feels like, uh, <laughs> Uh, but yeah, you get guys like Tao Maladon who've been playing with the blue or like say Pokusheski there and Isaiah Roby as well. I mean, their minutes are going to start uh, jumping up and it's next man up. And if you play well in those minutes, you might even earn some extra minutes whenever SJ comes back. So these are the prime minutes for guys like Teo and Poku who really need to shine during those minutes who need extra minutes on the court. And this is the opportunity to prove that they've at least improved from last season or just gotten a little bit better. Yeah, I mean, like I said, SGA is like the number one scoring option on the team, scores the most points, you know, takes the most shot, has the ball a lot in his hands when he's on the floor. So him missing like, you know, at least three weeks, which is a pretty large amount of time. Um, who do you think uh, is going to be like the biggest beneficiary of SGA, SGA got? Um, who's going to be taking up his shots? Who's going to be taking up his offensive responsibilities? Uh, who do you think, Hunter? Um, well, I mean, obviously, I, Ludor is one of the, the top guys, I'd say. I mean, we saw that last year. Uh, he put up some career high numbers, especially in that Rockets game when SJ was out. And uh, but, you know, I mean, straying away from that, I think Trey Mann is uh, some guys that a guy that we should be talking about because he's been I mean, recently he's been he got a starting gig uh, the, uh, during the Pacers game. Uh, it was fun to see that. And his shooting has been vastly improved since coming back from the G League. And, I mean, what we've seen on the court, he's a tremendous shot creator. He creates a lot of space. Uh, that three ball has been seen for him. And he's been great getting to the room, too. I mean, that floater game is starting to develop, and it's looking pretty nice. So I think that, uh, I mean, how uh, how much, you know, uh, Trey Mann just takes up on scoring, that's his forte. I mean, uh, he can pass it, but he's not really a, a creator I mean, for other, other players out there. He's not really – getting tons of assists out there. He's mostly focused on getting his shots and scoring. So I honest, I think that we're going to be seeing a lot of Trey man out there. A lot of, a lot of points for Trey man. Uh, Giddy. I mean, I would, I mean, whenever SJ is out, we do see Giddy get to the rack a lot more. I mean, he's definitely uh, leading there uh, trying to get to the rim more than I mean, when SJ is out, but I definitely think we'll see a lot more of Trey man and Lou Dort in the scoring side with SJ out. Yeah. It's going to be interesting to see how Giddy does a lot of SGA. Um, especially with scoring. I want to see Giddy, you know, take more shots and be more aggressive with his shot during this time, especially with SGA out. And same thing with Trey Mann. Trey Mann, like I say, probably has the best step back uh, game on the roster, uh, especially with SGA out now. And like you said, he's shown the most outside of shade when it comes to his ability to, to create his own shot. I feel like Trey Mann's kind of played uh, this game, uh, you know, dipping his toes a bit. Uh, and not, you know, playing basketball with a ton of room for error with Mark Daynald. But I feel like I hope I hope this is the case where Daynald, you know, gives him a little bit more leeway in terms of like, you know, taking shots, creating shots, making mistakes on offense and all that. Because I don't know if you're feeling the same way, but I feel like made, I feel like Trey Mann and like even Poku were kind of like on a shorter leash leash compared to like other guys on the roster. No, I mean, I can agree with that, especially like start of the year. I mean, we, I mean, that's where the birth of, you know, Skittles and 
uh, broccoli came from Mark Dagnall and he said, Trey Mann's got to get that broccoli to earn some Skittles out there. And while I think he has earned, you know, a little bit more quote unquote Skittles lately, I mean, he's still, like you said, it is definitely has a, Mark Dagnall has an eye on him because he really wants him to improve in other ass areas, probably to not develop bad habits. Like we talked about with SGA, don't want him to develop bad habits. And I, I think Mark Dagnall might be a little bit more concerned on that end with uh, Trey Mann, along with Poku as well. I mean, they're raw young players, but like we, I mean, recently we've seen with Trey Mann, he's just been absolutely fantastic. And uh, I mean, like you said, this is a year where we need our rookies to go out and just play to their ability, basically, to play at what they're best at. And what we've seen so far from Trey Mann, while he's not been overly efficient, I mean, that that shot looks like it's going to be primed when he gets older and when he gets into his prime. I mean, it just looks beautiful right now. So definitely got to work upon that. And uh, if we want our players to hit their, their ceiling, they got to work out some of their uh, you know, faults and play to their strengths. And one of the strengths for Trey Mann is definitely going to be a scoring. So just let the kid ball out there. I mean, we, Lou Dort gets like 15 shots from three a game, it feels like. So just let <laughs> if Trey Mann, he's a way better shooter. So we just got to let him go out there and work it out and just, you know, let him score. That's, that's what he's made for. That's what he was put in this league for, just score the ball. Yeah, it's kind of weird how Lou Dort basically has the green light to shoot from three while Trey Mann has, I guess, the yellow light. Even though he's shooting, you know, nearly 37% on free attempts a game, I think he has like the best catch and shoot numbers among rookies this season. And coming into the season, I think he, I mean, coming into the draft process, I think his outside shot was like his biggest strength. So it's kind of weird how someone like Lou Dort has more of a green light to shoot as many frees as, or shoot as many frees as he wants, even though uh, he's kind of proven that he's kind of a hot and cold type of shooter. And, you know, maybe not as good of a three-point shooter as Trey Mann. Meanwhile, Trey Mann has, you know, has to kind of tone it down a notch. I wonder, I, that's probably like more of a veteran thing in a rookie compared yeah. to Mann's oh, yeah. rookie. But yeah. I was thinking the exact same thing. Mark seems like that kind of that kind of coach, you know. Uh, you know, vets earn their minutes. Rookies, you got to earn your minutes. He seems like that exact kind of uh, archetype. Mark Thibodeau, man. I'm telling you. <laughs> oh, man. Hey, it might be Nick Nurse Thibodeau. Did you see those uh, Raptors minutes after that triple OT? Oh, yeah, 50-plus minutes. <laughs> it was Scotty Barnes played nearly an hour, I think, is what it was. Um, I can't believe <laughs> I can't believe that. Oh, my God. I wonder how many calories you burn. <laughs> uh, all of them. I think they are, like, uh, toothpick thin at this point. <laughs> oh, man. You know, we should – be glad that uh, Mark Daynault's so hard on Poku. Because can you imagine him playing those minutes? Oh, man. I could not oh, oh, man. I would have to turn the TV off, probably. No offense, Poku, but I probably would. Oh, man. He disappeared. <laughs> he disappeared. <laughs> I wouldn't have to turn the TV off then. Uh, but, yeah. But, you know, back to SGA, in terms of the injury, uh, I mean, a high ankle sprain sucks. But it's far less concerning than, you know, him thinking first last season where he dealt with plantar fasciitis, which is something which can be uh, chronic and he can deal with for multiple seasons, multiple years. High ankle sprain, it's more, you know, I mean, it was just a freak accident. I know SJ's been playing a ton of minutes, like you said earlier, but if he just landed on his foot wrong and he sprained his ankle, I'm, 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 not, I'm not super concerned that this is going to be a long-term thing. But, uh, yeah, what do you think of just the injury overall? Yeah, I mean, like you said, I mean, this happens to almost every NBA player. You're bound to step on someone's foot and then your ankle's going to tweak a different way. Rather, that's a small, you know, not as serious or it's as serious as a high ankle sprain. It's just uh, one of those freak things that happen in basketball. It's just the game. Just what happens. 
So while, uh, you know, it's not ideal for that to happen, obviously, I mean, it's, it's nothing that's going to side him out for, it's nothing that's going to plague him for his entire career. Kind of like, what were you talking about the plantar fasciitis where that can pop up uh, relatively throughout his career, potentially. I mean, that's what happened with guys like Pau Gasol, but uh, you know, the high ankle sprain, easy to heal from, but you know, don't want to test it regardless. Just let him sit out for as long as he needs to. Like I said, we're not winning much this year anyway, so just let him heal, but it's nothing to be overly concerned about whatsoever. Yeah, and let's just address the elephant in the room. Like, you know, it's such an injury got hurt, but thankfully the silver lining is that, you know, it's not an injury that's going to, you know, affect him long-term. Hopefully not. But at the same time, like, man, I mean, the funder right now, takeupon.com, they're only like a half game back from, from the Rockets for the first spot. And you, you just can't, I mean, when SGA got hurt and you heard the news, I, I felt like one of the first thoughts in my head were, oh, man, this is going to help out, you know, OKC with the lottery odds and tank and all that. But, yeah, what, what do you just think of all that? I mean, we got a pretty tough schedule ahead of us regardless. I mean, Mavericks are coming up, Luca, sweet team man. <laughs> uh, Blazers, Warriors, Raptors, Sixers, Bulls is in the middle of February. So it's going to be a tough road ahead of us. Uh, and uh, these are like the next 10 games. So it's, it's going to be, it's going to be an adventure basically. Uh, <laughs> I mean, obviously I would ne- never in a million years would I want SGA to get hurt. I mean, this is, I mean, I want to lose games with SGA, you know, <laughs> you know what I mean? I definitely want to see him grow out there, but man, like you said, this does speed up the tanking process a ton. No way we're condoning that whatsoever. But, man, I mean, with all the tough schedules, the tough games ahead of us, it definitely helps out the tank tenfold. And we're kind of separated a little bit from – I think we're, like, fourth worst team in the league right now. We're a little bit separated from about the fifth in the West. So uh, – or I think fifth in general, actually. So, I mean, this will definitely help out and speed up the tank process a little bit more. Just got to get the Rockets to win a little bit more games. Come on. Golden State, I know you play Rockets. I don't know if you've already played them already. Just throw us a bone. Let it lose a little bit. How about that? Yeah, uh, the Thunder right now have fourth best odds, and they're at two game or two and a half games up uh, of the fifth place teams and the Kings and the Pacers. So uh, there's that. I mean, it's kind of remarkable how much ground OKC's been able to make up. I remember earlier this season they were like uh, on pace to like out to win more games this season compared to last. Uh, but like I said, they've been playing really bad recently. And like I said, they're what, 2 of 14 in the last switch is what I said. So they've done a lot of, they've done, they've done a really good job of just, you know, making up ground and uh, in, the, in the reverse standings. And now we're just half a game back from Houston to get a top three spot. And like, really, we just need a team, OKC just needs a top three spot. What did you say? Like, it doesn't really matter if it's one, two, or three because they all have the same, you know, top four odds and like, uh, number one overall pick odds since you know the NBA changed the lottery odds a couple of years ago. Yeah, yeah, the top three they all have they share like what fifteen percent I think is what it is for one uh, first overall pick, 14. and uh, 14, 14. and so uh, in Detroit they were the third worst team in the league last year and they jumped all the way up to pick number one. Rockets were the worst team they got pick number two. So it really doesn't matter where you land on the top three worst teams if you want number one pick. So. You both get the same odds. So that, you know, one through three range at the very bottom, that's kind of what you really want. It uh, doesn't matter, one, two, or three, just, you know, going to be randomized regardless. Lottery is just, you know, unpredictable. So you, it's just prime to get in that bottom three range. So you're pretty much secure in that, you know, one through five. But, you know, last year, well, I think we were like 
sixth worst team after winning the tiebreaker with Cleveland. So that really screwed us over a lot from the beginning. So this should, it should be a little bit more better for us this year, especially with the lottery. I mean, not lottery, the NBA draft being so top heavy this year, you it's almost a necessity to be like one through three this season. We made the fourth best sauce last year, right? Since we won the coin flip of Cleveland. Oh, did we? I can't remember. All I know is we got screwed big time by fucking Mark Tatum. I blame him. I blame him. Uh, but I, I'm seeing like a lot of fans, you know, kind of content for having a top four spot. Uh, and I'm kind of like, I kind of don't understand the logic because we still have like half a season left. And OKC is only a half game back. Uh, I'm kind of hoping, slash expecting to get a bottom three record if they keep, you know, playing like this, especially West GA. Yeah. Uh, I mean, have you been seeing the same thing? I think I have a little bit. I think, yeah, a lot of people have been content with, you know, maybe we can stay middle ground because, I mean, we drafted, you got Josh Kitty pick six, so Presti can, you know, pull magic. But, I mean, that's really just not how it works. I mean, Presti is a fantastic drafter in the lottery. I know we see it many times with James Harden, Westbrook, and uh, Josh Kitty now, and even Stephen Adams at 12. That was a great pick as well. So, I just – I mean, you don't want to deal Sam a bad hand because, I mean, obviously he's a great drafter, but you want to make – I mean, just imagine having that type of talent basically one through three. You need to – you just need to bottom out. I mean, you can't stay in the middle. That's not – you can't be average on this. You either have to be all in or all out basically. And being all in on the tank base – on in this season especially with where we are, how the team's been playing, just piss poor basically. You got to be all in on the tank. And, I mean, uh, like, like Clemente said, a half game back in the fourth – I mean, that just lowers our odds for the first overall pick. So you got to improve your odds as much as possible. And to do that is just the bottom out and be, you know, one through three worst teams in the league. So that's just what's got to happen this season, especially in this year uh, where we got three guys who are in, cont- in contention for being number one overall pick and Paolo Bencaro, Jabari Smith, and uh, Chet Holgram. So you want to be in that range so you can get at least – if you don't get one of those three guys, I feel like it was a huge waste of a season. You set your tank back another year. This is the season – I mean – I know you don't want to cheer for losses, obviously. I hate cheering for losses. We all want our team to win. But the only way to win is just – this is the only way for the team to win is if you just completely bottom out and try and get the best option in draft. I mean, that's what we did in the past. That's what teams in the entire NBA history who aren't in large markets have done in the past to help build their team up. So that's what you got to do, basically. Simple as that. If you draft someone who could change your team around in the bottom three, like a Jabari or a Chet or a Paolo, then you can cut that tank, hopefully – by a year or two, and then just build upon from there. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like you know, does doesn't get a top three, doesn't get end up with top three lottery odds. It, it'll be a little bit of a disappointing season, especially now with SGA out for probably at least a month. I mean, if he's out right now for sure for like the next three weeks, and then they're gonna update us again, and that, and that and that update's probably gonna be telling us he's probably gonna be out a, a, a little bit longer. So at the minimum, we're looking like at least a month. So if OKC, you know, doesn't end with top three odds, I'll be kind of disappointed, especially since they've done such a good job of making up so much ground already, and not only a half game back. So that's just how yeah. kind of how I feel. No, I, I honestly think it would be a, a bigger loss than last season's lottery. Uh, because, I mean, last season, that draft, as we've seen throughout the season, is tremendous. you got guys like Chris Duarte who have been great, Scotty Barnes, uh, Evan Mobley. And they were just guys like they've been tremendous. This is a very, it was a very deep draft last year. Uh, I don't, it wasn't as top heavy as this one. I honestly, I mean, there was definitely like that time where you're like, who could be number one? 
uh, but you know, uh, Jalen Green or Cade Cunningham or even Evan Mobley, some were speculating. Uh, but this season, uh, this NBA draft, there's seems to be more of a clear cut answer. Uh, obviously, like I said, people are still debating between Jabari, Paolo, Chet, but those 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 three guys have really separated themselves from the pack. And I think uh, even even most people have sort of solidified Jabari Smith as being the number one overall pick based off his scoring potential or scoring ability in the NBA. So this season, it would be way worse because it's not even nearly as stacked that top or in general as last year's draft. So yeah, there's a lot more room for error in this year's lottery than there was last year. Yeah, sure. So let's talk about the game actually happened Friday. Uh, Thunder lose to the Pacers, one fourteen, one ten in overtime. Uh, this was one of those games where it was against a team that's like very close to you in the reverse standings, in the Pacers. Uh, so losing this would have been a huge benefit for the Thunder, and that's what ended up happening. I mean, I remember Thunder was was kind of you know sweating this out <laughs> there at the end, thinking like, oh man. <laughs> I can't believe we're going to win this game. And then somehow, some way, the Pacers were able to, to win this game because coming to the game, the Pacers were like as bad as the Thunder. I think they were like 2 and 11, 2 and 12 in the last 14 heading into this game. So this is really, yeah, this has been a contest of like two of the worst teams in the league. Uh, but yeah, the Thunder won. I mean, the, the Pacers won 114, 110. Uh, Lou Dort had 27 points, 10 to 16 shooting. Um, Josh Giddy had what, 15, 10 out of 5. Uh, basically had a pretty good game off the bench. I mean, I know he had a, I know he had he made a really bad decision at the end that caused it to find the game, but I don't think yeah. that's going to get the fact. Yeah, <laughs> but, yeah. <laughs> but I don't think that that mistake should really negate the fact that basically had a really good what 31 minutes out of 32. So that's just how I feel about situation. I mean, obviously you want basically to maybe be more aggressive and shoot the ball, be more decisive. Especially when it's a four-on-one situation like that, like you gotta take advantage of that. But yeah, yeah, those are my thoughts. Uh, what about you, Hunter? Any what's your, what's like your biggest takeaway from this loss? Uh, I think you know definitely one of my biggest takeaways here is that uh, you know the youth really showed in this game. Like you said, I mean, uh, four-on-one basically down low could have won the game. Glad we didn't. Uh, like you said, I mean, you got guys like Baisley who were missing out on layups, and also Trey Man as well. He missed on the. Thank God, I love you, Trey Man. I really do. Thank you for that. Uh, missing on that really clear open layup. So I'm glad he missed out on that. I mean, I don't mean to rag on him. I'm not trying to rag on him or call him out. But man, that was really critical right there. Uh, but Ludort, I also thought that was the main takeaway right there. He really uh, stepped up. Sadly, uh, no, I'm just kidding. But uh, he in overtime, he was. I honestly thought we we're about to win that game because he shot like back to back threes there. Uh, got the thunder up by six. So, I mean, his offense really kicked in and it really showed that, hey, uh, he can really uh, handle the team when he wants to. But uh, he just, like you said, he gets hot and cold. So it's good to see those minutes where he's just absolutely on fire. But, uh, yeah, and uh, Josh Giddy, like I said, uh, you know, playing against uh, – I mean, there really wasn't any uh, dominant big man down low for him to be stopped. But regardless – Tremendous guy uh, today. Seven for fifteen is from the field. Fifteen points, ten rebounds. Almost had. I, I thought he was really close to triple double this game. I thought he was going to get that over time, but did as great as he possibly could, and he was a positive on the floor. So great outing from Josh Giddy. I mean, it was about as good of a loss as you could have, especially with SGA out through the halfway through the game. So great game to be played. Shout out to former Thunder players, the uh, Sabonis and Jeremy Lamb for. Uh... Really, really helping OPC's case here. 
Hey, I don't know. I think Jeremy Lamb had some resentment there missing those two free throws, even though he's like a 90% free throw shooter in, in regulation. So I'm on to him on that one. Shout out to Justin Holiday, though. You really you buried us softly, and I appreciate that. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, Sabonis, he was great, man. <laughs> this entire game, like, man, it's crazy how he was with the Thunder's first season. Oh, man, I know, man. And also, 18 boards. I mean, if that doesn't show you our lack of size, I mean, that's what she said. But I mean, <laughs> I mean that that's a pretty, pretty clear indicator right there because he was feasting all night. Uh, eight of those were offensive rebounds. So that's what really destroyed us under all night is rebounds and turnovers and missing easy shots. So, I mean, DeMontis, like you said, he was great. Triple-double was great. Yeah, it just sucks that he's not, you know, wanting out like another year or two from now instead of right now. Yeah, I feel like LKC could really get him. Uh, and he would fit this team perfectly. But, man, it's just, it's just too early. And could you imagine the, uh, the the pick and roll and even pick and pop potential with SGA, Giddy, and DeMontis Sabonis? Oh, my God. I mean, SGA was making magic out there with like a, a 30-plus year old Al Horford last season. So. <laughs> oh, man, they'd be, look like, they'd be looking like uh, – I don't even have a comparison in my head. They'd be generational like that. They don't even have a comparison. How about that? Also, why was the first quarter so long? Oh, my God. Review after oh. review. Oh, man. I think we were all talking about the, the refs were just absolutely insane. <laughs> they were acting like they were uh, refing the fire trip. Man. Huh? They were on a power trip. They really were. I guess that's the only thing you can do during a Pacers and Thunder game. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. I think the game was like over two and a half hours, which is ridiculously long for an NBA game. No, especially a game between the Thunder and the Pacers. Like, don't have to care that much about these guys. Well, let's be nice, Matt Hunter. These are NBA players. <laughs> no, I just kidding. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, unless you have anything else to add, I think I'll probably just end the pod here. Uh, well, that's pretty much it. I'm just going to go try and recover from watching the Royal Rumble today. That's about it. Oh, man. SJ's probably been shipping Leon. <laughs> but, yeah, thanks again for listening, guys. Uh, just a quick emergency problem. We felt like, you know, SJ missing at least three weeks is a pretty significant topic to talk about. But, yeah, uh, we'll probably talk again here again soon in probably a week recapping this week's game and anything else that happens. And thanks for listening.